Thank you for joining us this month for Bill Purvis Leadership. In this month's lesson, we will look into the story of David and Goliath and see how David's courageous actions led him to release the winner within him. Well, let me talk to you for a minute about, about winning and what, um, what winners do and finding the winner within you. I think a lot of you have something inside you that probably you have not yet fully seen and you haven't yet released. And who would ever know that on the inside there's probably a giant there we're just waiting to come out. And yet you have to have the opportunity. And your coaches are going to give you some of that. The games are going to give you some of the opportunity. But at the end of the day, the real thing that's going to decide whether you win or lose is going to be you. It's going to be if you decide, I really want to make it in life. And we've had the privilege of seeing a lot of people that came through our path. Tim Hudson, by the way, uh, you know, pitcher out with the Giants now. They won the World Series last year. Tim is a friend and, and was here in this church as a teenager. And one morning he, he came and said, man, I want to just ratchet up my spiritual life. And after that, he and I golfed together a few times. And he would tell me about his story and where he was at and what he did. And I've seen that story many times. And I realized he's not just the exception. There are guys just like you and ladies just like you that you have the right tools already. And all you've got to do is figure it out and tap into it. And you can probably break through some. I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts, okay? When I read the Bible, you know, I, I use that as kind of my teaching tool. And there's that story that we're all familiar with, David and Goliath. And you remember one day that David was this little shepherd boy that his own brothers didn't think much of him. And that uh, one day David's down here delivering some food to his brothers and there's a battle going on. There's this great big giant on top of a hill. That giant, we know his name to be Goliath. And, and uh, Goliath is pounding his chest and saying, send somebody that'll fight me. And everybody's afraid of him. And little David steps up that day. And little David walks up there that hill and he has in his hand just a sling and he uh, takes a rock and he nails the guy between the eyes and he falls down. Then he runs, takes his own sword off, cuts his head off, and he comes walking down the hillside with his sword in one hand and the giant's head in the other. And that day David became a household name. And that day people said, wow, that little guy had something in him that he let out at game time. He, it came forth at the moment it needed to come forth. And without fear and with nothing but reckless abandon and courage, he has come down the hillside and he's shown us what a winner he is. And since that time, people started to name their, their, you know, their kids after him and all the rest. Um, here's what I know. He did what you get a chance to do one day on a ball field. Not, a, not all of you will. I hope you will. But, but there'll be some of you that one day it'll click and you'll say, this is my moment. This is my moment to prove that I really can make a difference. And so if I want to know how to do it, let me give you a couple of thoughts, okay? If you want to be a winner, number one is you got to set your goal to be. And you know where winners start? You can tell them when they walk in the room sometimes. A real winner always has the most positive attitude. Tuesday night I was speaking somewhere with a bunch of athletes, and there's a couple of guys that came in the room that were just world class, and I was sitting over here getting ready to speak, and they had not even yet said they were going to give a testimony about how they got in the NFL. And all of a sudden, they walk in the room and just start hugging people. And this great big old monster guy just grabs me and kind of pulls me in his chest. He said, Brother Bill, he said, I drove all night so we get here, buddy. You're my favorite guy. And he's pulling me in his chest, and my head is buried between his pecs. And I'm thinking, man, this guy is strong. He's a monster. But I realized something again about somebody like that. I thought, you know, it's his attitude. His positive attitude is the secret. That's the first step. And you know what a positive attitude is? It's like when David, he didn't cower when he saw Goliath. He didn't run. That was his moment to say, this is our chance. And winners step up when others step back. Uh, have you ever seen a team 
that when they start to get behind, they fold and quit. They, they, they get behind, they make a few mistakes, and all of a sudden they just throw in the towel. And the coach is over there screaming, let's get it together, but they quit. Can I tell you something? They don't deserve to win. They should have quit. If they quit when it's going bad, see, you don't know you're a winner if everything's easy. You don't know you're really a winner until you're challenged. And, and, and when, you, when you get in that situation, that's when the real you comes out. Some people get behind and they go, oh, we, we're, we're losing now. Oh, we're going to lose. We're, and they just start thinking that. And the more they think it, the more they become it. I, uh, and, and I don't know which team you pull for. You know, it could be uh, Georgia, Auburn, Georgia Tech, whatever. But, but I, you can spot a winner a mile away. Several years ago when Cam Newton was over there at Auburn, you remember that several games, the first game of the season, really, they were behind. And, and you're watching over here thinking, well, they're going to have a losing season. Look at this. And all of a sudden, they're behind by about 14 points or so. And all of a sudden, you just saw this guy walking up and down the sidelines, clapping his hands, talking to his team, and he's all pumped up. And it's almost as if he hasn't looked at the scoreboard. He doesn't realize we're behind. And, and so he comes out there and challenges them, and they take off. You know why? Because winners know how to do that. Winners know how to say it doesn't matter what happened back there. Yeah, we fumbled the ball or we messed up or we didn't do what we want. But I'm going to tell you something. This game's not over. And as long as that clock is still working, I'm going to work as hard as I can to put the points on our side. And that's what a winner does. A winner says when it's down, that's when you know who they are. They come up and they rise up. And it takes on every team somebody who's willing to step up and start it. I, uh, I've quail hunted for a few years with the old former coach over at Auburn, uh, Pat Dye. And one day I was sitting with him and talking to him about at lunch. We, when you get through hunting, you get to go sit out at lunch with them and they talk to you. And so I was talking about winning teams. And here's what he said that was good. He said, Bill, to have a winning team, you don't have to have every player be a thoroughbred. He said, you don't have to have that. But you've got to have at least two. He said, you've got to have two people that are so madly, insanely crazy about winning that they will stir a fire to pull other people to play beyond their level. And he said, I got to have two. He said, so whenever I would look at my team, and he said, fortunately, there were times we had more, but I would always say, I want two that are just totally sold out to winning. It will break their heart if they don't. I want them. And he said, if I can get them, that works. Well, there are a lot of people that do the same thing. That, they, the winners do that. Um, they, they understand that, man, if I, can, if I can set the flame, maybe somebody else will catch it, and it makes them better. And that's what winning is. And so winning starts really with a positive attitude. You get to decide in that moment when things may not be going in your favor or when you may find the giant bigger than you or you're facing a team that is tougher. You, you get to decide then what's really in you. Do you quit? Do you fold? Do you just get by? Or do you suddenly say, this is my moment to find out what's really in me? And that's what David did. Second thing about winners is this. Winners face the fact that, um, that winning is going to cost you some things. Winning will always cost you something. You, you don't get it easy. It doesn't come cheap. It's going to cost you in time. If you want to be a winner, you're going to have to practice and play and put time and thought into it. And you know what that means? That means you won't have the time to hang out with other people that have a lot of free time. You know why? Because your time is allocated there. That's what you do. Some of you have already found that. A lot of your friends get a chance to, they, you know, they got plenty of free time. They know every video game. They're listening to every song. They keep up with whatever else is doing. They're living on social network. But you're on a field or on a court and you're practicing. And if you're not careful, you'll start thinking, am I being cheated? No, no. They're being cheated. 
you're the one that's got the goods right there where you are. You've just got to decide, I'm going to stay on this field long enough that I'm not going to worry about missing out because when I get what I want, at the end, I'll get that and more. It'll cost you relationships, by the way. You won't be able to be around some people as much. It'll surface, by the way, when you are practicing and working hard and, and it's costing you, you're going to find out who your real friends are. You got some people in your life that they want you to succeed. And you got some people that want you to fail. And you got some people that don't want you to have a life at all because you are their life. And so you got to decide, I'm, I'm understanding it's going to cost me to win. Third thing I'll tell you is this. You, you win when you know you want it so bad that you'll pay the price to get it. When you say, I will pay that price, whatever that price is, I will pay it. Michael Jordan would, would practice and practice and practice and practice. Um, Mark McGuire, they said the thing about him, they knew one day he'd be a home run hitter because they said when practice was over with, McGuire would stay 30 minutes after every practice. He'd get to 30 minutes before and 30 minutes after. And he said all along, it was no accident. He said, you want to know why I was better? He said, I was better for this main reason. He said, if the coach said we're there at 4 o'clock, I got there at 3.30. If we quit at 6, I practiced on until 6.30. He said, I did it for this reason. I wanted to be the very best I could be, and I didn't want to just stick within that framework of practice. I want to go beyond that. Well, now, when you look back at the difference between those people that made it big and those that were just on the team, the difference really was found in all those little times of practice. And so when you look at practice, don't look at it like, oh, it's a drudgery, I've got to go to practice. You need to think, this is the place where I'm going to hone my skills. You also understand this. Um, <clears throat> in fact, if I want to put the time in it, you've got to do a little bit more than those around you if you're going to stand out. Venus and Serena Williams were having tennis rackets in their hands up at 6 a.m. in the morning when they were seven years old. Seven-year-old little girls, the racket was bigger than they. They didn't have much control of it. But they were, they were taking that racket, and at 6 a.m. every single morning, that's what they did. Um, Kobe Bryant. They say you'll, not, you'll hard to ever find. My, my oldest son lives right down the road from Kobe Bryant. He says you run into him all the time. He said you'll see him all the time. He said, Dad, when you see Kobe, he's rarely dressed in a suit and tie. He said he's always dressed in practice gear. And he, and he was telling me the story about it. He said, you know, the, the reputation out here is, if you go over there to the Lakers facility to practice, almost any time, day or night, Kobe's always there. He said he's always there. That was his habit when he was a kid. He would find his way from school to home. He'd get home late because he would stop at a park. He said the same thing is true now. He's always there. You know what he's doing? He's working on that skill and working on that skill and working on it until it becomes so natural that it looks easy. But it's not that it's easy. It's just that's what they do. Several years ago, I was, uh, I was speaking down in Florida and um, a guy named Keith Pugh. Keith had played football for Bear Bryant. Now, you may not remember Bear, your, your coaches will, but he was the great legend coach at Alabama. And Keith could catch anything. Keith was a tremendous uh, athlete. And, and I was there, and there were about 1,000 kids, and Keith walked up to me and said, Bill, i got to get these kids' attention. He said, a lot of these kids are very, very rowdy, and they've never heard about it. I want them to hear you. He said, uh, let me do something out here on the field with them. And we're on a football field, and they had the whole stands off field. And so Keith called out. He said, who's the best quarterback out here? And there was some boy that they called out. And Keith said, throw me a ball. And so Keith said, watch this. And he took off running down the field. This boy threw the ball, and as soon as he did it, Keith looked back, and then he caught it behind his back. And when he caught it behind his back, he walked up to me, and he said, okay, I got the ball. Then he handed it to me, and he said, now he's got the ball. Listen to what he's got to say. 
And I spoke to them with that ball in the hand because Keith did something like that. Well, I asked him afterwards, I said, Keith, what would have happened if you'd have missed that ball? He said, I wouldn't have. He said, if he's a good, if he's a good passer, I was going to get that ball. And I said, how? He said, Bill, he said, that was my forte. He said, when I was a kid, anybody that came down my street, I'd say, throw me the ball. And I never tried to catch it with my hands like this. I always tried to catch it behind my back. He said, that was my gift. I could do that. And that was my way of getting the attention so I could move to the next level. In your, in your area, there's some things you can do, and it's going to come back to the practice issue that's going to make you better. And so I encourage you, whatever that coach says do, if he says do this, do that, and then some. I'll tell you another way you can make that work. Some of you, if you really want to open up and get a little better, ask your coach, say, do me a favor, watch me and see what I do, because we all have blind spots, and say, and, and think about it, and then anything you see I need to change or fix, either work harder or adjust some or whatever, would you tell me? Because I want to get better. And if you get teachable like that and ask them, you just write your coach a note and say, say please, you know, let me know. When that coach looks at some of the things of you, the videos or watches the game, you'll help your whole team when he's able to say to you, if you'll just do this, if you'll just do that. I, uh, I, I have a, a niece that had 104 scholarships for swimming. She was a fantastic swimmer. I was with her one day when she was at a meet watching somebody who was swimming. And she'd already, you know, she'd already decided which college she's going to. But she watched this great swimmer. And as she did, she nudged me and said, I got to go somewhere. And, I said, and we were all getting ready to go to dinner. And I said, where are you going? She said, I got to go talk to him. And I said, why? She said, did you see the seconds that he cut off that? I got to go talk to him. And it was, a, it was a swimmer who actually swam against Michael Phipps and some of them. So all these swimming athletes were there. She goes down and gets a private meeting when it comes back smiling from ear to ear. And I said, well, did he talk to you? She said, yeah. And I said, what was, what was the difference? And here's what she said. She said, I study an athlete. I study everything about them. She said, I mean, Bill, I can, Uncle Bill is what she called me. She said, Uncle Bill, I can tell you if they cut their hair different from the last time I saw them. I can tell you if they walk different. She said, I find somebody that's good and I study them. She said, that guy, when he got ready to get in that pool, he held his hands with his thumb in a different direction than any way I've ever been taught. She said, I've been to every swim meet there is, and that guy held his hands different, his thumb. I'd have never picked up on that. I was just thinking the guy's about to hit the water before everybody else. And she said, and I noticed what it did for him. And she said, I went and asked him. He said, yeah, it's a technique I learned in Europe. And he said, let me tell you what it does. And he just gives her the science behind it. Now, there's a secret in every skill that you do. Every, when it comes to baseball or basketball or volleyball or football, whatever you play, there are certain skills that are going to make the difference. And if you will be willing to pay attention to it, you can pick up those little things that will add advantage to your game. And so be, be inquisitive. You find somebody that's good, get around them and ask them. Watch them. See what they do. The fact is success leaves footprints. And so if you'll figure out what they're doing and you say, I'm going to learn that. And if you've got a teammate that's good at something, be quick to ask them, how did you do that? Show me how you did that. If you'll take that information in and then begin to practice that, there'll become a time that that becomes for you a habit. I'll tell you what you want to do. You want to be practicing because there's a moment you're going to face your Goliaths. Believe it or not, there's a team out there right now practicing to beat you. Okay? There's a team that's practicing to beat you. And you're going to practice to beat them. And the bottom line is the one that wins is going to be the one that put the most into it. That's going to be your key. And so practice would be in the best in mind. Uh, I mentioned to you also, in fact, and I would get in a competitive spirit. The other day I, I didn't want to do it. 
I'd kind of give up running for a while and uh, decided I got to get back. And I went down to a treadmill and I started walking on a treadmill. I was down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida in the, in the hotel. And I started walking on it and this girl comes up beside me with guns. I mean, she's a little bodybuilder. She comes up, she gets beside me. Hi, how you doing? Fine. So I'm starting to jog on the treadmill and then she starts jogging. Well, every guy in this room knows this and probably every girl. I, I thought, oh man, I can't get off this treadmill now. I look like a sissy. I got to stay on here as long as she does. So you know, my idea is this, if I'm walking on the treadmill and you get beside me and you start walking, are we racing? Yes. Whether you know it or not, we're racing, okay? And so, so I stayed, and that girl, I swear, I thought she'd never quit. I'm dropping sweat. One hour, she is just going at it. And I mean, she is like Wonder Woman. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm gonna die of a heart attack, but I will not get off first. You know, I'm not about to let you think I'm a wimp. So I'm staying on it. And finally, she got off. Well, my mistake was when she got off, she said, hey, it's been nice seeing you, and all this stuff. So the minute she got off, she had a partner, and her partner gets on and starts running. Well, now the partner starts talking to me, this girl. Uh, and I say partner, not, I mean, I, they were friends. But she says, she says uh, uh, hey, and, and she starts talking, how do you do this? How do you do this? So I put the button, and then she starts running. Well, now I'm thinking, well, I can't get off now. i got to race with her. That girl did it for about 40 minutes. But when she got off, the minute she hit stop, I hit my stop, my God, I said, I'm, I'm out of here. But what I'm telling you is there's got to be some kind of competitive drive in you that says, I'm going to be after, and the best athlete I ever met was a guy who was competitive at all times. I mean, I'll, if you got a Coke, his idea was, I'm going to open it before you. If you got a bag of potato chips, I'm going to open mine before you. Everything in his life was, I got to do it first, got to do it first, got to do it first. And I would just say, you compete over everything, don't you? If we're walking beside each other, he's got to walk a little bit in front of you. And I'd be thinking, why do you do that? I don't know why he does it, but I know it really works when he puts that same attitude in a game. And so the secret's going to be, as a winner, you get it in your mind, you get it in your heart, you put it in practice. Then you develop something else. You develop mental toughness. Let me tell you what mental toughness is. It's the, it's the part that where most athletes break down. There's a difference. If you ever notice, like college and pros, if you watch a pro game, they basically make it look so easy. And the college game, they still have the same size. Most of them have the same speed. Most of them have the same strength. You know what the real difference is? The real difference is mentally. It's right here. In fact, there's a book that baseball, every baseball player ought to read it. If they don't read it, um, they're, they're cheating themselves. It's called The Mental Game of Baseball. And, and what they teach you, in fact, I shared it several years ago with Bobby Howard, who's a fantastic guy, and Bobby, at that time was Columbus, and we began to work it out to where we would give one to everybody that on, on his ball team. And he would say, that is true. It's the mental aspect. It's the same for you. And it's, it's this. What does it take to make you quit? I mean, what is that magic number in points that you get behind when you throw up the, the towel? What, what is that mistake you got to make that makes you want to quit and just go home? Well, what, if you can figure out nothing's going to make me quit, nothing's going to make me give up, there is no breaking point. If you can reach that mentally, you'll be ahead of all your peers. That's the key to it. Somebody asked Lou Holtz one time, they said, what's the key to winning? And Lou said, and they said, in a nutshell. He said, since you're asking a nutshell, it's really simple. And I thought, well, he put it down pretty good. He said, their job is to get momentum. My job is to break their momentum. He said, and our job is to get momentum. And our other job is to not let them break our momentum. He said, if we can get that in sync, he said, then what happens is we can see the points on the board. 
And so the mental toughness is going to be a big dish, deal for you. I hope you'll get it where you say, look, if everybody quits, I'm not quitting. If we're behind no matter what, I'm playing harder. Fact is, is I have decided that I'm mentally in this game. Winners learn from their failures. They don't, they don't wallow in it. They don't, they don't let it go to their head. Now, they don't ignore it and they, they don't excuse it, but they explore it. Um, when you make a mistake, the key there is going to be how quick you recover. How quick is it that you can say, okay, we made a mistake, but now we're going to pick up, that's past, nothing I can do, and move on. And that's one of, one of the biggest keys. In fact, I would encourage you, there was, a, there was a game I watched recently, soft goal game of girls. Uh, my niece lives in Florida, and I was there watching them play, and they had the coolest thing. Um, they, every time that one girl would make a mistake, the others would break out singing that song, Shake It Off. And, and I thought, that's, one girl made a mistake right in front, and next thing you know, I'm thinking, ah, oh, you know she felt bad. She, and suddenly the rest go, ah, oh, that's all right. And they start going to shake it off, shake it off, dancing for a second. And what they were saying is, you made it. Now don't live in it, okay? It happened. We'll learn from it later. But the longer you lay in that moment of, I messed up, what happens is the longer that you begin to tell yourself, I'm not going to win, I'm going to lose. And so you change by taking the, st the, the state of your mind and controlling it. And then I tell you the others, Winners compete with themselves. You want to, it's not as much to, to beat somebody else as it is to beat your past. Find out what did you do before and how can you do that better? And how far did you go that time and what more can you do different? And then I'll tell you the last thing along that line is this. Winners learn how to win people over. Now this one I've never heard anybody talk. I've never heard anybody say it. And I know it's because, and I believe in it, yeah, we talk about humility and, and uh, don't say anything. But I think there's got to be a part where some of you understand this. You're motivated by you want to be liked. You want people to like you. I don't know of anybody that don't. Okay, is there anybody that you know of that says, I just don't want to be liked? I think he came in the world wanting to be liked. I think that's why it bothers some people when they're unliked on Facebook. You know, okay, I'm, I'm not liked. If you want to be liked and you want to, and you want to make a difference and you want to really take your life to a higher place later, athletics is going to give you that platform. It's giving you the platform right now. But you got to do something. you got to be willing to stand out. What makes you different than any other athlete who's playing your position in this city? What makes you different? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, if you're a, if you're a forward on a basketball team or you're a second baseman on a baseball team or you're playing on a volleyball team, what is it if you took everybody that plays your position in this city, what makes you special? What makes you any different? What makes you better? What makes you the person that everybody says, I gotta go see, watch? Have you ever thought, think about that. And then decide, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stand out from that crowd. I'm gonna make sure, when you go to a game, it's, um, it's like I have some friends, that we have, my son hangs out with these UFC fighters, but I knew in my day, I came up with professional wrestlers, and I know wrestlers. Every now and then when these retired guys come to Columbus, they'll call, and a while back, I had lunch with one of the old professional wrestlers. Now, they're athletes, and they're, you know, they live in a gym and all that stuff, and some of them shoot the juice pretty good, but that's what they do, okay? But the one thing they do that most people never give them credit for, the way they make their money is they say, it's all about the crowd. Can I get that crowd involved? Can I get that crowd wanting to be a part of it? And they'll tell you how they'll do it. And one, one guy brags about it. He said, let me tell you something. I'm the best wrestler that ever walked in the ring. He said, you know why I am? He said, because three people died watching me wrestle before. Stood up screaming and had heart attacks. 
And he says, buddy, when you can get people so emotionally involved that they will blow out their heart because they're so intense, he said, that's when you know you're good. And they look at it from a whole different aspect. Here's what I want to ask you. What do people think when they're watching you play? Do they ever say, keep your eye on that guy or that girl? Do they ever say, man, look at that one over there. Look at the way they're playing. Do they ever say that? Make them want to. Play your game in such a way that they say, man, this is not a quiet stadium. We got to go see them. Rain, snow, we got to go. You won't believe this kid. You won't believe that student. This little athlete right here is going places. The way you're going to stand out is going to be when you step up and say, I'm looking at that crowd, and you need to listen to the crowd with part of your ears. While you're playing, listen to your coach, listen to your team, but listen to that crowd. Did you put them to sleep, or did you wake them up? Did you make that crowd say, I'm coming to the next game or not? And if you'll do that, guess what? One day, while you're doing that for those people that maybe want to pick out somebody, you say, they look like they're bored of the game. I'm going to play so good, I'm going to wake them up. And every now and then, just realize, I'm giving so much, I got the crowd. Here's what will happen. There'll be a day that a coach or a scout will notice that you're different. They'll notice you stand out. They'll notice you produce. They'll notice that you put everything on the line. And then it's not a matter of luck. It's a matter of them telling other people and then other coaches and other scouts and other people. And before you know it, you wind up in a spot where that when you're standing there, you'll say, I've got all these opportunities and all these options, and I never even realized my life's going to be a whole lot better just because I gave everything I had at that moment. That's my hope for you. When David went after Goliath, nobody knew who he was. Little shepherd boy, nobody knew. When he came back down that hill with a sword in one hand and a head in the other, everybody knew him and never forgot him. My hope is that you'll decide, next time I'm on the court, next time I'm on the field, I'm going to stand out. I'm going to make those old people up there get up out of their walking chairs and yell for me. I'm going to make them spill their popcorn or scream at their referee. I'm going I'm to turn this place alive. I'm going to play with everything I've got in such a way that these people around here are going to take notice. And if you do that, everything else will start moving in your place. I, I'm grateful that you let me speak to you today. Now, I do know a lot of you came because you got a free ride on a bus away from class. But I hope in some ways you'll go back with the attitude is, I'm going to release the winner within me when the time comes. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson. This month's lesson is a reminder to release the winner within you when game time comes. Have a great month.